Hello, welcome to the Cooperland Podcast. I'm your host, Cooperland. First, if you can, if you like the podcast, if you enjoy any part of this, can you please just share it with someone that you think would also enjoy it too? I'm just trying to grow this thing slowly and I appreciate any help that I can get. So if you can, please share this on social media or with someone you know that would enjoy it. And I guess let's get into it. I just came off of watching the Warriors versus Grizzlies game. What a game. That overtime, uh, first of all, (laughs) that Draymond shot to end regulation had to have pissed off Warriors fans, man. I mean, I would be livid (laughs) if I saw, I don't know, Alex Caruso take the final shot for us to try to win the game. I mean, that's just not what you want at all. And especially when there were potential kickouts there. There really were. So that shot was horrible. He he threw that thing up there like he was scared to shoot it, which is really unlike Draymond. I was really surprised by that shot selection. But in overtime, the Grizzlies just took over. Grayson Allen with some huge shots. Tillman with some great defense there. And John Morant doing John Morant things to close it out, showing why he's so special, why he is one of the next young stars coming into our game. All that being said, there is zero chance they beat Utah. And with that, we're going to start our playoff preview with the Jazz and Grizzlies. I think this is going to be a rough one for Memphis. They don't be shooting too many threes. And I think that's the only way you can beat Utah because Gobert has that inside locked down and there's no chance you're going to score over him but I mean I guess anything is possible you know Uh, you never know what's going to happen that's why I love the NBA but the way Gobert impacts the game with his defense and with his his roll into the basket it just creates all those open looks for the other guys you know Ingles and Clarkson and Conley and all these guys it creates so many open looks and oh Bogdanovich you know now I know that Mitchell is questionable I believe for game one so we'll have to see if he plays even despite that I still think this is gonna be quick series for the Grizzlies though I guess if they had a chance, you know, it'd have to be that the shots aren't falling for Utah. And you're going to have to hope that Valanchunas is either um, playing like he did in that game against the Spurs, but I don't think that's going to happen. I would go small. I mean, you saw Tillman tonight, and Jaron Jackson is still seven foot, so let's not act like... It's real small, you know. I mean, it's it's. I think Tillman's six eight. I want to say maybe he's even a little taller. So it's not small at all. But that's their only chance to me is they got to get Gobert out on the perimeter because Jaw's not gonna have any lanes if you have Valanciunas out there. It's not going to happen. So I'm interested to see how Memphis does. I mean, this is their first real playoff experience. They've had now two or three playing games technically. So hopefully they can, you know, take the lessons from what they're about to get whooped on and apply it to next season, add maybe some more pieces around Jaw. Because right now, I mean, 
their team's nice, but that's all it is. This is nice. It's not great. They just have a bunch of role players who are great role players. They're great young players, but I don't really know if Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be that guy that they want him to be. I hope he does because the potential's there. Really is. He has a three ball that's incredible for a big man his size. And I'm really interested to see how he develops because I think that's key to see how far this team could go in the future or if you need to trade some of these young guys to acquire a bigger name. You know, in the NBA, there's always a new guy available for trade. So even though there's maybe not talks of somebody getting traded at the moment, doesn't mean that in the future it won't get to be that way. So that's all I really got to say on that series, man. It's I don't think it's going to be close. I really don't. I think you're going to see Utah sweep them, really. Maybe they win game one because Mitchell's going to be out, potentially. But if this Utah team has everybody, even without everybody, I still think they're way better than this Grizzlies team, unfortunately for them. I was really hoping we would see Steph get to try to take down this Utah team by himself. I mean, that's actually, that's I don't mean to disrespect other players on his team because Wiggins has had a great year. And Draymond defensively is incredible. Juan Toscano Anderson, shout out to him for getting his contract fully guaranteed a few weeks ago. He's been incredible for them this year, but let's be honest. Outside of Steph, there's not really a guy that you know you can rely on to get a bucket. Jordan Poole, I will say, improved a lot this year. And I was big on him coming out of college. When I saw he went to the Warriors, I got very excited because I thought that was a great place for him. So hopefully he keeps continuing his hot play into next season because that would be a nice weapon off the bench for the Warriors once Clay comes back. Next, I'm going to talk about the Lakers' sons. I mean, LeBron's coming off of seeing three rims, which is major cap. Like, <laughs> there's no way that I... Like, he loves to to be in the drama, you know. I, I, he got the wash king hashtags and all that and he he loves to be doubted he loves to overcome you know what i mean so i maybe he did you know what i mean but it also does seem like one of those things where he might have just made it up on the spot but they're gonna be taking on the suns who if you're phoenix and this is your first playoff appearance in 10 years and you gotta face lebron james i mean and anthony davis i would be so upset if i were a suns fan because I'm just going to be forward with it right now. I'm picking the Lakers. I know I'm a Lakers fan, but I think the Lakers are going to get this one done. I think it's going to be closer than people think, though. I have to pick games. I'm going to say that the Lakers win in six, but it's going to feel like closer than that even, if that makes sense. The Suns are a great team. The big question is just that it's a terrible matchup for them. Can Aiton stay out of foul trouble? Because he's going to have to play... A lot of minutes for them to have a chance. And even then, they still might not because AD, Drummond, Harrell attacking you on the offensive end is likely you're going to get into some foul trouble or at least allow a lot of points to those guys. And their backup big is Sergeant Kaminsky, who I like them, you know what I mean? But I don't like them against AD. Kaminsky, you know, he actually had his ups and downs this year, so Sarich, so we don't even know what type of performance we're going to get from them in the playoff. Chris Paul has had a great season for the Suns. He has done essentially what he did for OKC last year, but just doing it now in 
Phoenix. And I, I predicted them before the season to be a three seed. In fact, next episode, I might go over my uh, preseason predictions and compare them to how it actually turned out. Maybe I'll wait till the awards are fully done to announce that. I really think that Chris Paul deserves to be in an MVP discussion. I was shocked that I get it that Embiid was in there. I really do. But with the amount of games he missed, I, I just don't think he should have been in there. I think Chris Paul deserved that spot more than him. And and I think Randall maybe even deserved that spot because both those guys played a lot of games and impacted their team in more than just the stat sheet with culture. Chris Paul is someone who can lead a team that has never had playoff experience. That Thunder team last year, I mean, you see them this year. They were terrible. And that roster, besides him and Gallinari, it's not too different from the one that they had. I'm excited to see Devin Booker in the playoffs. I really think that he should be doing a good job here. Devin Booker has always been a guy that you know can put up numbers, but it's never led to the wins until now. So can he keep up that production in these big moments when he's going up against some pretty good perimeter defenders on this Lakers team and Wes Matthews and Alex Caruso, who I just need to shout him out real quick because he played great against the Warriors in that play-in game. I mean, I know it's all going to go to LeBron, all the credit, as it always should, but Alex Caruso, without him, they're not winning that game. The defense he played on Curry and his... Oddly clutch offense. I mean, he, I think, only missed one shot the whole night. And really, when we were struggling to score, kept us in the game. Was the reason why we were still in that game, which allowed LeBron to have that fourth quarter and allowed AD to have that fourth quarter. Without him and also KCP hitting their shots early, none of that would have happened. So, shout out to Alex Caruso. I think that that's a terrible matchup for Chris Paul, man. Alex Caruso, I know there's jokes, man, but he, to me, needs to be considered an all-defense defender. He's been amazing guarding other teams' guards. He's so physical. He always stays in front of you. He hustles for every loose ball. He is just an outstanding defender, and he's... You know, I saw someone tweet about it. Uh, I think they said that Alex Caruso was the... Typical, like if you had to build a player to play alongside LeBron, you would want it to be him. He could hit his threes on the catch and shoot, and he can shut down some other team's point guards. He's really phenomenal, and I think he's going to do a good job on Chris Paul this season, or this series. I do think Chris Paul is still going to let the Suns, you know, win a game or two. But I think only two games for the Suns here. I think this is over in six. AD, earlier when we played him, this was like a couple weeks ago, I want to say, put up like 40 and 15 on him and just dominated that game. And that was without LeBron. So I'm interested to see if the Suns can step up to the challenge, though. I think that while they are a bad matchup for the Lakers, I still think that besides us, they are the best team in the West if that makes sense, which I know everyone's like, oh, Utah, Utah, I, I get it, I get it, but to me, Utah doesn't have a, a, the vet like Chris Paul, you know what I mean, and they also, they don't seem to have as much versatility as the Suns do, the Suns can play with Aiden down low, or they can stretch you out with Kaminsky and Saric on the offensive end, and with Gobert, it's, it's, it's just Gobert, you know what I mean, so on to the next series, 
that's going to be the Nuggets and Trailblazers. I think that's going to be a fantastic series. Uh, Portland, you know, defensively, they kind of been lacking. But I think that Dame and CJ are really starting to get back into the swing of things. You know, both of them have missed a lot of time this year with injuries and are now fully cooking. I really didn't like the Norman Powell trade when it happened. And I really don't like it even more now. I mean, Gary Trent was, I'm not saying he was a great offensive player, but he was pretty good. He could hit open threes and he could score a little bit off the dribble in terms of he could get to the basket, you know, and he was a great defender. That's, that's what you lost. That's where it really hurts is Powell is not this great defender. And I shout out Norman Powell because he's from San Diego. Anyone that's from San Diego that's hooping or doing anything on a professional level, you know, that's just cool as hell to me. But he just, he's a little small to play in the three. And that's ideally where you're going to have to play him with CJ and Lillard on the court. If you want him in there in a crunch time five, he's going to have to play three. And that could potentially mean having a guard. Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter Jr. Aaron Gordon is probably not as much of a threat offensively, but he's still way bigger than Norman Powell. And, I mean, Porter just going to power over him. We'll just shoot right over him like he's not even there. I think Nurkic is not the same player as he used to be. He Carmelo, you know, he's not doing the same either. I really think that this Portland team might need to do some big moves this offseason because I don't see them getting out of this first round. I think the Nuggets are going to win this one. I think it's going to be close, not going to lie. I do think it's going to be close. But honestly, I think that the Nuggets are probably going to take this one in six. I just don't I just don't see a way that the Blazers can get past Jokic, the MVP. I mean, maybe Nurkic, you know, he is a former Nugget. So maybe he does know how to guard Jokic better. But I just don't see that happening. Jokic, to me, has been so, so dominant this year. He's clearly the MVP. And he can just control the game. I saw it against the Clippers last year where he just controlled that game like a chess player making his moves very strategically, not using too much energy while he did it either. Kind of just standing around, watching things unfold. And then if he didn't see a cut or a double team or something, then he's like, okay, I'm going to go at the basket. And if he did see some of those things, he's like, okay, you try to double team me, I'm just going to find the wide open man because that's how good I am. I am just way better at this than everyone. It's it's become to the point where it's, I think I said it in last week's pod where it's similar to players like Chris Paul and LeBron where they just control the tempo and the overall game with the way they play. And you gotta, if you're Portland, you gotta make them play a little faster than they normally do. That's to me is the only chance that you're gonna have. Now, I think Dame and CJ are going to be in for a big series because with Murray out, Morris and Composo are your point guard options, and both those guys are small. I mean, Composo's really small, but the, even Morris, I think, is only 6'1". So I think they're going to have a hard time stopping Dame and CJ. I think those guys are going to have excellent scoring series, but in the end, I don't think that there's enough offense on Portland to overcome Jokic. Jokic is that good. And 
Also, the Denver defense, Mike Malone is a great coach. I expect him to have a nice game plan set in place to try to limit the offense of the Portland Trailblazers. And I don't trust Terry Stotts, man. He, to me, has never shown me that he can, you know, make an elite adjustment in a playoff game. Maybe I'm unfamiliar with some of his work. Portland fans, don't get too upset. You can always tell me, hey, you know, remember in this game six of whatever series, I, I'll listen. But to my knowledge, he hasn't really been known for those great in-game adjustments the way that we saw, you know, with like Vogel, let's say, last season or Nick Nurse the year prior. We didn't really see that. So I don't know if Portland is capable of winning this series. I think that Robert Covington has got to be an X factor because he's got to guard probably Michael Porter Jr., if not Norman Powell, right? Maybe you put him on Aaron Gordon for some reason, but I think you got to put him on MPJ because MPJ has been lights out ever since Murray got hurt. And I don't expect that to stop. I think Murray is just going to keep getting, sorry, Porter Jr. is just going to keep getting better, keep improving. And I'm really excited to see where he goes because he reminds me of like a, a the Ingram Durant type of player in terms of just this lengthy athletic score. So hopefully he falls down that path because those guys are excellent. And Michael Porter Jr. already at a young age getting a nice opportunity here in the playoffs, you know, he could potentially, if he plays well enough, they get to the point where Murray comes back and he's the number three option. He's not even the number two guy anymore. As crazy as that sounds, Porter is just that good. Melo also is key for them this series too because he needs to be efficient off the bench. He's had a lot of games where he goes like four for 12 or three for 11, you know, something like that along those lines. And we just, if you want to win this series, you can't have any of those games from Melo. None. But with guys like Aaron Gordon, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, you know, these elite, not necessarily elite, but these long wing defenders who are experienced, I just don't know if Melo is going to be efficient against them. So my final pick is Nuggets in six. That is going to set up for a great matchup against the Lakers again. I believe that's how the bracket works, and I would love to watch that series. I think the Lakers are going to take that, but it should still be a lot of fun to see those teams go at it again. Clippers Mavericks is the next one, and I think a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, the Mavericks last year took them to six, and Porzingis is healthy right now. Anyways, maybe this year they could beat him. I don't think they're as good of a team this year, though. I think that without Seth Curry out there, for instead they got Josh Richardson, and they tried to recoup a little bit of that loss with J.J. Redick, but at this point in his stage of career, J.J. Redick isn't as good as Steph Steph Curry, sorry. Seth Curry. He's just not. And that was a real blow to them. I, I was very shocked when they did that trade because I knew they needed defense, but Seth Curry was playing amazing for them in that pl playoff series with Porzingis out. And there were games in the regular season too where he was really putting up numbers. And now he's on Philly, and man, 
if you're Philly, are you happy that he just fell into your lap? I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better guy to be on that team alongside Simmons and, and Thibel because those guys can't shoot. You know, you got him, you got Green, you you did great. Daryl Morey proven once again why he's an elite GM. But let's get back on track. I think this is going to be a fast one, man. Uh, I think my prediction is Clippers in five. And you got to count for Rondo. Rondo has been a great addition for them so far. And I don't expect that to to stop anytime soon, especially with the playoffs coming. I saw it firsthand last year. I remember all season. I was so upset with this fool. I was like, bro, fuck Rondo. (laughs) Caruso's way better. Like, you know, why are we taking minutes from Caruso out here when Rondo is just constantly turning the ball over and playing terrible. He misses all his shots. And it's just, why do we have him? But playoffs came around and he was our third best player. And I see a scenario where that could happen again for the Clippers this year. Rondo is a gamer and he's one of those guys that when he has the time to prepare and truly know what his opponents are going to do, he is like a quarterback in terms of the way he's able to dissect a defense. He's incredible. I think he's going to really help out with the Clippers because last year there were times where the ball movement got really stagnant. And even early this year when they were blowing, you know, big leads in some of these games, 20 point leads even, you know, but Rondo is going to really help with that because he's, uh, in my opinion, a Hall of Fame point guard. Mavericks, you know, Porzingis needs to have a great series for them to win. And I've been a big Porzingis guy, but after this last injury and the rumbles between Mark Cuban that that Luka Doncic and, and him aren't you know, exactly buddies. It just got a sense to me of like, maybe they're angling for like a potential exit. If he has a bad playoff series, trying to trade him. I don't know who would want him, but you know what? (laughs) This just came off the top of my head. I wouldn't mind seeing this just because I know that it'd be kind of funny. Kemba for uh, KP. Why not? You know, the Celtics sound like they need a big and... (laughs) Kemba's been struggling for them. Dallas could use another ball handler outside of Luka. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there as a potential trade. I think the next factor, though, is going to be Dorian Finney-Smith because he's going to have to guard, you know, Kawhi and Paul George for most of these minutes, him and Tim Hardaway. And Dorian Finney-Smith has shown that he can be a good defender. My question is on offense, can he produce enough for him to stay on the court? Because I have a feeling you're going to see a lot of double teams on Luka in this series. And you know who's going to be left wide open? It's going to be people like Dorian Finnis-Smith, who aren't as proven, maybe aren't a reliable offensive weapon, but can they step through and drain a shot in the clutch? That's what we're going to have to find out. Porzingis was healthy and looking all right the last few games of the season. So hopefully that continues for him. I think the Clippers have the coaching advantage here. I mean, Rick Carlisle is great, but Ty Lue just seems to be a guy that he can get players to really respond to him. And there's something to be said for that in a playoff setting that you can tap into a player's head and get them to want to win, not just for themselves, but even for you, you know? So, yeah. Clippers in five, I'd be shocked if it goes more than that, unless we see Luka 
pull, you know, a young LeBron, a young Kobe, a young Larry Bird, and just take over a playoff series. He he could. He's he's that good. He is that good. He's totally capable of it. I just doubt it happens against the two of the best wing defenders in the league in Kawhi and Paul George. I would be shocked. So that's the West. It would mean that our first round or our second round matchups would be the Clippers and Utah, which I think is going to be an excellent series, and the Lakers versus Nuggets, which I also am excited to watch. So that's the good thing about the West is is there's so many good teams to me that it makes it so that every matchup scenario you can build up is going to be fun, you know, a lot of stars and a lot of action. But let's go ahead and switch it out to the East. Uh, we're going to start with the Bucks and the Heat because I think my answer is going to surprise some people with this one. I got the Bucks, man, and I got the Bucks in six. I think that the Heat are going to put up a fight, but. To me, the Bucks have just improved this year. I know their record won't show that necessarily, but with the additions they've made of Tucker and Holiday, those are two guys in your crunch five that are going to play elite defense and allow you to play switchable defense instead of having to just drop the big on every single pick and roll. And that's how, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Milwaukee allows a lot of three-pointers. And it's because of that drop, pick, and roll coverage. I don't see them doing that as much in this year's playoffs. I think they're still going to do it, but not nearly as often as they did it last year. That's why, you know, the Heat, they were able to hit some threes against them. And Jimmy Butler, I mean, I don't want to doubt him because I saw him fight with LeBron and, and win in a couple of those games last year. But I just don't see him taking over in four games out of seven to beat the Bucks. The Bucks are, to me, a way more talented team. I think that Ariza and Iguodala, are, it's a little too late for them in terms of being these guys that can play around 20 minutes a night for you. I don't even know if they're capable of that anymore. They're both really old, but they got that playoff experience, and it does slow down in the playoffs, which is something that is going to benefit the Heat a little bit more than the Bucks. The Bucks like to play fast. They like to get Giannis out in space. So if the Heat can stop that from happening, they're going to stand a chance in this series, but I don't see that happening. I think with Drew now, too, that's another ball handler that you've added to this team and a good one, a really good one at that. So I think it takes a little bit of pressure off Giannis to do everything. I don't think the wall is going to be as effective. Giannis is now seeing that for his third straight postseason. I expect him to respond a little bit better to it. As for the Heat, you know, I think if you're going to win this series, you need Tyler Hero to be back, man. He's had an up and down year and mostly down, to be honest. If you got to win this series, he's got to be hitting 40% of his threes and he's got to be shooting a decent amount per game too. Duncan Robinson's the same thing. He's been starting to heat up a little bit towards the end of the year, but it's got to continue. He's got to shoot the lights out of the ball for them to have a chance. I just don't know if that happens now that the Bucks have these switchable defenders. They're going to be able to go switch screens instead of having to always, you know, choose to go over under. And if you go under, well, you're screwed, you know, with those guys. But with the way they're able to switch I do expect them to contest a little bit more three-pointers than they usually do. Top five defense for Heat. 
I will point that out. So if there's anyone that can slow down this team, the Heat might be that team. Butler is going to be guarded by Drew a lot, though. And I think Drew Holiday, I expect him to make first team all defense this year. I'd, I'd be surprised if he didn't. He's an elite defender. And with Butler, he doesn't even have a three ball. So if you're Holiday, you're only focused on that mid-range and, and that drive to the rim. It, it makes it a lot easier to guard someone when they don't have that three ball. Even someone as talented as Jimmy Butler. And I don't know if Bam's ready to, to shut down Giannis potentially on his own. Because now, with Holiday out there, that's one less guy that you can have help on a Giannis. You know, there's going to be more possessions in the series where Bam is going to have to try to guard Giannis one-on-one. And I like Bam. I think he's a great defender. But... Giannis, to me, is a little faster, a little more explosive than a Bam. I expect him to have a good series against the Heat. I expect this to be a 4-2 series, and the Bucks should move on pretty smoothly. There's going to be the panic because they might lose a game here or there, and, oh, is this a repeat of last year? Giannis, pressure, contract, trade, holiday, coach, you know, all that yada yada. It will be. A huge offseason for the Bucks if they don't win it this year. Bud's Bud's got to go to me if they don't win it, and especially this first round. There's no way you can bring back Bud, because it'll have been the third straight playoffs where you saw him fail to make adjustments. And I I believe Bud's gonna make the adjustments this year. Hopefully, he proves me right. The only thing is rebounding for the Heat too. I don't. They're a poor rebounding team outside of BAM. So I just don't know if we're going to see them get enough possessions even over this Bucks team with Giannis, who is a freak on the boards. The Heat do have the coaching advantage. Eric Spolstra is going to be a Hall of Fame coach, I believe, when it's all said and done. So if there's anyone that can craft that game plan, you know it's him. We've seen him do it last year. But I would be very surprised, even with the way the Heat ended the season. If they were to accomplish this. Knicks and Hawks. The Knicks are my favorite team to watch other than the Lakers this year. It was Charlotte until LaMelo and Hayward left. But the Knicks, have, are they're just a gritty, grindy team. And we don't have too many of those nowadays. So watching them has been really refreshing. Tibbs has done a great job there. Randall has done a great job at improving. RJ Barrett has done a great job at improving. And that team is just... Clicking on all cylinders. Can the Knicks' defense slow down Trey Young and the Hawks, though? Because their offense has been fantastic, and they just have weapons galore. Trey Young, Bogdanovich, Capella, Hunter, Gallinari, you know, Lou Will. These guys can all put up point. Although, let's be honest, Lou Will in the playoffs has been boo-boo his whole life. But... Can they slow down all these different options the Hawks have? John Collins. I didn't even I didn't even say John Collins. That's another guy. They have a lot of people on offense. And I just don't know if the Knicks are going to be able to slow down all of them. But vice versa, I don't think the Hawks have anyone that can guard Randall. I mean, if you look at the matchups this year, Randall destroys against the Hawks. He's averaging something around... 35, 12, and 7, I believe. Somewhere around there. Just incredible numbers against the Hawks. And, I mean, John Collins is going to have to be up to the task. DeAndre Hunter wasn't there, I believe, in a couple of those matchups. So maybe he can come in and play some defense on Randall. 
you're going to need him to. For me, the X factor in this series, though, is, is D. Rose because the Knicks bench doesn't necessarily have a bunch of guys that you think are, oh, wow, these guys can put up points. I mean, Emmanuel quickly has been great this year, but it's a rookie in his first time in the playoffs. D. Rose has got to play like he has been all year, which is six-man-of-the-year level. I don't think he's going to win, but that's the level of play he's going to need to have. I saw his post today, and I loved it because, you know, people do say vintage D. Rose too much. And it's almost like saying, you know, that, well, of course, statistically is better. But saying, like, we're always going to prefer this version of you. And you know what? I love this version of Derrick Rose. You know, he's not as athletic as he used to be, but his skills have sharpened. You know, he's worked really hard to come back from injury and improve other aspects of his game. I mean, Derrick Rose used to be someone you could leave open for three, and now you got to be tight on him. He has been excellent from three-point this year for the Knicks. Knicks... They need to play at a slower pace. This Hawks team is young and they can run, but the Knicks can slow this game down, which is something that happens in the playoffs. I expect them to have a great series. I think my final prediction is Knicks in six. I think the Knicks are going to take care of business pretty quickly. No pun intended. Um, I think that at the end of the day, their defense is that good. You can't sleep on the Knicks. I know in the second round, there's going to be a lot of teams that, you know, are like, oh, Philly. I don't know why I say a lot of teams. Philly is going to be thinking, oh, sweet, we get to play the Knicks. We'll go right through them all. No, I don't think that's going to be as easy as a series as you think. I think Philly's still going to win that, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than people imagine. The Hawks, on the other hand, since Nate McMillan has been hired, has been essentially a new team, it's felt like. You know, they just were not doing good over the, the previous coach. I can't remember his name at the moment. What am I doing? Lloyd Pierce. Boom. <laughs> oh, I was about to say Paul Pierce. I was like, that's not right. <laughs> but they've been doing great under Nate McMillan. You know, can you guard Randall? And not only that, say you bring a double team to help Collins or Hunter guard Randall. The Knicks are actually one of the top three-point shooting teams this year. I believe they shot 39% from three. So to double-team Randall's to leave a really good shooter wide open, I just don't see a way that the Hawks can both stop Randall and the Knicks threes. I don't see that scenario. Capella has been great this year for them and almost considers all-NBA warrant the way he's been playing. He's been phenomenal. And really, Houston didn't get much in return for him. And now that looks silly, like a lot of Houston's trades. I'm excited to watch this series, though. I think it's maybe not going to be the closest. Eh, might be the closest. But it's going to be so fun because both these teams don't have playoff experience. So in a way, we're going to be seeing them figure it out on the fly. And that's just so cool to me. So I'm really excited to watch that one. Nerlens Noel is another guy that is an X-factor, too, because Clint Capella is a great rim runner, but with Nerlens Noel out there, have fun. Nerlens Noel is such a great defender. I think Capella is going to have a rough series. Next series is Wizards-Sixers. This one's going to be pretty short. Uh, I think there's a scenario where the Wizards make it competitive, but I honestly think that Philly is just that good. Philly, to me, is 
the team I have going to the finals. And because they are just so dominant on the offensive end, or on the defensive end, so dominant. They can throw Thibel and Simmons at you and Embiid in a three a five man lineup and those three guys who are arguably the you know you could argue the best defenders at their positions respectively there's just no chance you know you're going to see you know one of these guys go off and have their big games Westbrook will put up a triple double all that's going to happen but there's no chance that they can actually string together victories because the talent gap is so far between these teams 3 through 10 it's so far. And even Embiid's going to be the best player in the series. Don't No ands, ifs, or buts about it. He's going to be the best player in the series. I expect him to show that. He has been hungry this year, and I expect that to continue into the postseason. X factor is Rui, because if Rui can step up and have, I don't think it's going to happen, but average like something like 20 a game in this series... Then yeah, the the Wizards have a shot, but I doubt that's going to happen. I think the Sixers are going to take this in five. And Wizards fans, you know, there's something to build on for next year, though. And I think that Beal doesn't ask out. I don't think he does. I think he sees potential here and is like, you know what? Let's change some of these three through nine guys and try to win a championship. Because me and Russ can do this shit. They seem to love each other and... I'm really excited to how they do next year because they finished this year on an absolute terror. And if that can continue in the next season, maybe the Wizards need to be taken seriously out east. As crazy as that sounds. Uh, final series, though, is going to be Nets-Celtics. And this is another one that uh, it will not be close. I think the it's going to be the only sweep of the first round other than Utah. Nets, to me, just have so much talent that... There's no scenario where the Celtics win a game. There's no way. There's no way. The Nets are just better across the board. I know Brad Stevens is a great coach. And that the Celtics have been to a lot of Eastern Conference Finals and made deep playoff runs lately. And the Nets are unexperienced together. I I get all that. But the Nets are going to be scoring 125 a game, maybe. You know, 130. How are the Celtics going to keep up with that? Let's just say Tatum averages 40 and Kemba averages 30. That's 70, okay? You think the rest of those guys combined can score 60 points? Because I highly doubt it. It's sad because the Celtics, to me, had a lot going into the season to believe that this could be the year for them. But just the way injuries have affected this roster and it's so sad to see. But, you know, Celtics fans, that's the great thing about having young superstars on your team is that when they get hurt and you miss playoffs or a year or get out in the first round in a year, it's nothing to worry about because those guys are locked up under long-term contracts and you have another season next season to figure that shit out. To me, it's not going to be close. I think that the Nets just have a better roster altogether, not just top-heavy, but altogether. Boston's roster is just crumbling this year. The injury gods are my X factor because that seems to be the only Brooklyn net true weakness right now. Other than maybe big man defense, but that's not something that Boston can exploit. They don't have that big guy. You know, Thompson's going to go out there and try No, it's not going to happen. And that's my playoff preview. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I will be dropping another podcast 
later in the week, I decided to move the Top Shot and 2K Talk to that podcast in efforts to, you know, make this one a little more shorter, a little more digestible for y'all. So next week on the podcast, I should be talking about Top Shot and 2K. I'm really excited to get into some WNBA talk because Sabrina Ionescu has just been killing it. Candace Parker on a new team. It's similar to the NBA right now in terms of you have this old generation and this new generation kind of coexisting at the same time and it's similar to you know i have this framed uh little plaque in my room it's got a kobe card and a jordan card but then it's got a picture of kobe posting up michael jordan and you know that's what we're seeing in both the wnba and the nba right now is new versus old it's kind of a change into the guard will happen this season We'll see, but definitely within the next few seasons, we're going to see those old stars start to shift out and these new guys start to come in. And I'm really excited for this next generation of players because there's so much talent with a lot of these guys, with Luca and Sabrina and Brianna Stewart and someone like Giannis. You got all these different up and coming superstars and it's just great for the game on both WNBA and the NBA, especially in this social media era, to have young superstars to me is something that's really invaluable. Also, real quick before I end though, I did want to talk about Kwame Brown because he's been in the news lately. <laughs> he's been, his name got mentioned on all the smoke. It was when Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. Shout out to them. I love that podcast. Love those guys too. Great players during their career. Tough guys, but they were talking with Jeannie Buss the other day, owner of the Lakers, and just made a little joke about, you know, the trade to get Paul Gasol saying, yeah, they got Marcus Gasol and Kwame Brown, but Kwame Brown, does that really count for anything? It's just a dumb, quick little joke. You know they didn't mean no harm by it. You know what I mean? But Kwame Brown was pissed, man. <laughs> He's coming after their 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 mamas and their girlfriends and stuff. And I really hope that uh, the way that Stephen A. kind of controlled the uh, basketball meme response universe for a while on Twitter, I hope Kwame Brown starts to do the same because some of these clips, man, are so hilarious. First, why he just... He, he making some of these videos just in a truck, which is like... I don't know. I think if you want to be taken seriously when making a video, maybe don't record it while you're driving. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe you know, sit down or, you know, have a stable camera. You know, just, uh, just a thought. Um, but honestly, if Kwame Brown ever listens to this, I just want to say, keep doing that shit, man. I love it for you. And I love laughing at these videos. They just really make my day. And you know what? If somebody got a problem with you, Kwame, fuck them, okay? You made your money. You're doing your thing. You know what? Did you not maybe live up to that number one pick expectation? Sure. But you know what? If you're doing fine, who cares what they think, bro? Fuck them. Fire back if you want to. Tell them what's up. Because... You're a grown-ass man, and you did well for yourself, despite what other people think. So I just want to really encourage Kwame Brown to keep making these videos. They they give me a lot of joy, man, especially as a former Laker. You know, I'm like, hey, you know, we did that. <laughs> I don't know if we want to take credit, but I will, because I damn sure know that the Lakers aren't going to put out a uh, Kwame Brown video anytime soon. Gilbert Arenas also got some shots fired at him. 
and, and then also he started calling Charlemagne the god a rapist. <laughs> I, I mean, I thought that was hilarious. I, I, I don't know if there's any truth to that at all. But the fact that he's saying it in the video when he knows that Charlemagne's going to respond because that's what Charlemagne does. Charlemagne loves to put fuel on the fire. So he's definitely going to respond. But yeah, that was the Cooperland podcast. Please follow on my Instagram and Twitter for four pointers underscore net because four pointer dot net. The website should be coming out next week. Yeah, I know. I'm really excited. Uh, it's going to mainly be blog posts. Of course, you can find the uh, the podcast there as well. But for right now, it's going to be mainly blog posts. And then eventually when I get a big enough following, you know, we might even add a store element potentially to that or maybe some sort of Patreon. But that's once I get videos going. It's still very early on in all of this for me. And I'm kind of rambling. So I'm going to go ahead and just wrap it up. Thank you for listening. And I hope you guys have a great day. Later.